Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. of businesses fail due to lack of market need, which is such a scary statistic. Now, that number could be reduced significantly if the right market and customer research is done at the beginning when you are starting out or introducing new products, or like many businesses will have had to have done during the pandemic, which is pivot. In today's episode, I'm joined by Katie Tucker, who can help businesses do just that. Katie Tucker is founder of Product Jungle, which helps small businesses understand customers' pain points and help them build products and services that sell. Thanks for joining me today, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nicole. You're welcome. Now, you founded your business, Product Jungle, in 2020. Can you explain to people listening what it is you do now and your background before that? Yeah, so um, my what I'm doing at the moment, my mission is to help businesses understand their customers better um, so that they ultimately sell you know, more of their products and services. Um, and I, yeah, I founded the business in 2020. And prior to that, I was um, working in the corporate world um, in a department called product management, which does... Um, which does that kind of customer understanding, but also, you know, building uh, the products, but in obviously large companies. Uh, and I left my corporate job, that was in 2018, to go um, traveling. I did a family gap year. And as with those big transformational things that you do sometimes, Nicole, I came back and I was like, ah, I don't really want to go back yeah. to my nine to five. Um, and so then I started consulting and thinking that actually this is something that small businesses needed because they're just not doing it um, systematically as you would do in big companies or, you know, tech-savvy startups. Yeah, and as thorough as some people, I think, do part of it, but then leave some elements out or really don't get down to those customer pain points or really understanding those kind of things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if an entrepreneur is starting out a business or they're thinking about adding a new category to their existing range, how do they go about researching if that's a viable idea or a viable business? Yeah, so I think um, there's a lot of uh, small businesses that, as you say, like the intent is there. You know, they do want to ask their um, their customers, their audience, their target audience. Um, but what tends to happen is um, they they ask the wrong questions. They say, "Oh, I'm looking to launch a new product range." For example, like if you've got um, a kids wear. Uh, kids clothes range for example and you're thinking of launching a new you know pair of dungarees range or whatever and they say oh we're thinking of doing this what do you think um, and people go you know most people want to be supportive and especially in the small business community if you're doing a lot of your business via instagram or at least getting people to come to your website via social media people are you know will no doubt say yeah that sounds like a great idea yeah thumbs up you know if you're doing those little st- sticker polls uh, Nicole and then that gives you kind of a false sense of security that you know once you do go and do the launch the range that they will buy it but what invariably happens is you know people say to me oh but I did ask you know I did ask my uh, customers and they said yeah they'd really be interested in that and then I launched it whether it's an online course new product range and then you know no, no one actually bought it mm-hmm. um, so it's really important I think for me and that's why 
you know, I call myself the, you know, the question crafter. And I think we can really underestimate how important the actual questioning is and what type of questions. Um, and yeah, I can give some tips on that if, if you want. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what are the kind of questions that people should be asking? Yeah. So I and is there, is there a difference if it's a new business, if it's a brand new business and if, if it's a difference, if it's a product range? Yeah. So I think if you're if you've already got an existing business and you're looking to launch a new range, it's really important that you talk to customers. And I'd always recommend like actually offline. So not just doing it via social media and polls. I think that's a great way to just test the waters, but try and move those conversations offline into something more structured, like a, you know, like a zoom call or on the, on the phone, you don't have to do like hundreds and hundreds of uh, uh, interviews with customers. You know, I always say, you know, just start with like seven to 10 people with the right mm-hmm. questions and you'll get um, some, start to get some good insights in terms of the questions. What you're trying to understand really is going, um, you know, beyond the, uh, the functional use of your of your product and understanding uh, people's lives, um, you know, in and around your product. So let's say you're into kind of like homeware, for example, and you're launching a new range of like maybe candles or yeah, let's say candles, something nice for the house. You don't want to be asking people necessarily, oh, I'm going to do a candle range. Would you buy it? You want to ask people about their current uh, behaviors and their past behaviors around those kind of products. So, you know, um, have you bought uh, uh, candles in the past? Um, How many, you know, how many have you got around the house? How often do you actually use them? Because there's one thing about having candles in the house and then there's one thing actually lighting the damn things. There's (laughs) ones that look good that you never (laughs) like. Because they're so expensive and you're like, you're saving them. So it's understanding and then also understanding, you know, in what circumstances people use candles, you know, like, is it for... Um, you know mainly for relaxing so exploring a lot of the themes around you know what else would you be doing uh, in terms of relaxing you know maybe having a bath and so starting to piece together uh, what that person is ultimately trying to achieve by buying your product it's not you know they're not buying a product you don't buy a candle anymore to to see in the dark you know Mm. you're buying a candle um, to, to relax or to say you know I've got a Jo Malone candle so you know I'm I'm a certain type of person you know, there's always more than um, just the, the product itself. So I always encourage people to, to kind of explore the customer's world around, you know, the, the field or the area that you're you're providing a, a product or service, in this case, relaxing. So the why and the when in yes, terms exactly. of setting a scene. And what kind of and those kind of questions, like you say, would be how often are you buying? What are the brands you're buying? Why, why, why are you buying them in terms of what what instance do you use them in? Is that what you're yes, kind of exactly. thing that means? So you're trying to like break down, like, you know, tell me, tell me the story, tell me the last time that you actually use one of your candles. And yeah, how long ago was that? Um, how frequently, yeah, as you said, you buy them. So start getting to some real tangibles, but they're based on actual things that have happened. The problem with asking questions, projecting into the future, like if I did this, would you buy it? You know, mm-hmm. if I launched this range is that, as I said, people want to be supportive. So they tend to say yes, which kind of skews your market research in the first place and also people like to think you know of themselves as the best version version of themselves in the future Nicole so you know anything to do with health um you know weight dieting uh, yeah. fitness mindfulness you know oh I'm going to do this really new app and you'll be able to like track everything every day oh yeah yeah that sounds great you know when it happens it, you know it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't yeah. happen so you know we like to and that's just the that's just being um human so the more you ground these conversations in past behavior same around online courses if you're a service business you want to be asking have you invested in any um yeah, courses in the past 
when was that? Um, and if they say no, that doesn't mean they're not necessarily your target audience. You ask them, you know, had you explored it, but then you decided against it, and why didn't you? Um, why didn't you end up going for that uh, in the end? And just start to unpick uh, the behaviours, like the real behaviours around um, around your product and service area. That can really help, like, add value going forward. And if you're so those kind of questions to having a dialogue, so that, that would be if you were having a dialogue back and forth with a customer rather than if it was a survey that you were sending out. Yes. So, so if, yeah, yeah, if it, if it yeah, was a survey, sure. then how would you structure that? Yeah, so for surveys, things are slightly different. So if you're doing like face-to-face um, conversations, then open-ended questions, as we've said, are really important. The hows, the whys. Um, if you're doing a survey, um, you don't want to be doing too many open-ended questions because basically people are not in the, in, the, in the same frame of mind. You know, I'm sure you've had surveys before, Nicole, where you know, the, the intention is there. It may be a brand that you know, you want to give feedback and you start the survey. And then by question three, they're asking like a big question, you know, like, and they want you to, to write. Um, you know quite a few lines and you're like oh god like I'll do this later and then you end up doing it so it's really important if you've got a couple of big questions to keep them towards the end of them the survey so at least then you know you've got uh you know 90 percent of the of the responses before it gets to the big ones and then you might get a chance of people responding there so that means you need to really be asking um you know think about your questions before and give people kind of options um and that's the way you're actually going to get you know think about things before don't just say yes you know yes no um you know what type of uh, investments have you made in your business over the last um 16 months for example you don't have to just leave a big open box you can say um, you know, one-to-one coaching, give yeah. some options and then other, if they want to add something that you haven't mentioned, but don't make it too hard for them. Like the work, don't make them do too much work because they will just drop off. And I think as well, when they're too open-ended, if you get a lot of questions back, it's very hard for you to, um, Make sense right. of it, isn't it? Yeah, to make sense of the data or the data. Or, you, know, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, it it is quite hard. You have a lot of, you know, if you get a hundred or three hundred back, you know, uh, it's quite difficult to go through those open ended questions. So, how many would you say to really limit those? So, if you're doing a survey, well, for, I suppose two questions would be: if you have a survey for customer research, what is the maximum amount of questions really that you should be asking before people get bored? You know, you want people to submit the survey and finish it. So, yes. is there is there an optimum number? Yeah, I mean, I tend to go, I think, like, 10 to 12. Like, a push, you could go to 15 if you have a lot of um, quick ones. You know what I mean? Like, people don't need to think too much. Always, um, you know, send it to a friend or someone that you trust first to have a quick look through and see really how long it takes for them to go through. Because you can, by by putting a lot of effort into the questions, you can still get some really good insight, even if it's quick for the person to respond, because you've already given them those um, thought through those options. So yeah, I'd say between 10 and 15 questions, limit to about two open-ended questions towards the end of the survey. So you still, you know, people are not dropping off um, too early and then you you lose um, a lot of the data. And, you know, giving an incentive can help as well, uh, Nicole, even if that's, you know, entering into a prize draw or, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a percentage code of a product range, for example, um, because, you know, obviously people are busy and they do like to have, you know, it's a bit of give and take, isn't it, when you're asking these types of yeah. things. But surveys can be great if you've got very something specific that you're trying to to figure out or you're just trying to get like a general understanding of people's behaviors um, around a certain area for example 
And if you're, I mean, I know when I used to work for Primark and we were introducing, uh, we were really growing the skincare range and the cosmetic range. And uh, we sent a survey out to the employees, but then we also, um, the team and I went downstairs, we'd set out some questions and we, and we talked to people on the shop floor. And I think for a lot of people, if you've got the time to do that and observe people's behaviors and then ask those questions face to face as well and keeping it short and, you know, and so that it's easy for something to fill in now that we are, that we can go out to shops, that it's a good opportunity if you can to, to do that as well and not to just I, yeah, keep it all I online. Think, I think there's a huge advantage um, for, you know, people who do have a, a range in a shop or have access to like people in real, in real life. Um, and yeah, as you say, it's, it's a great way um of you know just even the observing like you know I think there's a lot of um Mm. uh, store managers that would do would get a lot of value out of just sometimes like just walking the floors and just seeing how people are interacting you know the customer journey when they come in where do they go you know to, to just picking up their basket because sometimes it's about customer experience as well it's not about necessarily um launching a new product range for example you can really improve the value of what you provide but by, you know, increasing how easy it is to find the baskets or, you know, how easy is it to buy online, to pay for it? To, you know, what do you get um, uh, when you receive your package? If it's an online thing, what's the messaging? Like all of that kind of stuff really kind of goes into having a, a successful business and a successful brand. So market research can also help with like marketing, messaging and customer experience if you haven't necessarily got the budget or the appetite to launch a brand new um, a brand new product range. Um, but I just think it's really unfortunate that at the moment... I don't know if you find this as well, Nicole, online around social media, like the message for small businesses seems to be around, you know, resilience and grit and passion. And for me, it's like, yes, you do need those things. But if you can still have all of that and your business could still fail because you're not understanding the, the customer getting the feedback yeah. uh, and getting the feedback and, and knowing how to do that in a in a way that's kind of sustainable not just another big thing on a, a small business person's list you know we've got a lot mm-hmm. of solopreneurs that can't you know wearing lots of different hats and for me it's about getting businesses to think about this and weave it into like day-to-day practices so it's not just oh I need to do my market research now it's kind of just a way of doing business um, yes you could maybe like have it quarterly that you check in I mean obviously if you can do it more often than that but if you could say right okay I'm going to do a quarterly um, survey or a quarter you know I don't know whatever else what are the other things that they could do on a on a regular basis to to check yeah, in no absolutely I think um, you could do like the meaty ones on a quarterly basis like just pick a, you know some customers to actually speak to and work through like a, a discussion guide maybe for just for 30 minutes in the meantime I'd be always encouraging if you've got your touch points like your newsletter um, encouraging uh, you know feedback from uh, from customers using social media as well Instagram can be great for just like taking the pulse I think like just keeping mm-hmm. um, you know broad questions like last week I did a few things around I went to the hairdressers which got you know nothing to do with my area but I was thinking oh you know if you're a hairdresser you know this might be interesting like what kind of things are people thinking about when they t- go into the hairdresser that you don't really know you know like oh why are they going to always blow dry my hair straight and I never want to ask you know I feel there's a big thing about people asking what they want sometimes in salons and beauty things if you're if you've got a beauty business how can you make customers feel more comfortable with actually saying what they want so they don't leave the salon going oh this is not how I want my hair or this is you know and I think these are, are, are small things but they can make such a big impact on somebody coming back to your business um, time and time 
uh, again. So, uh, yeah, definitely a touchy, touching base with um, a newsletters, a bit of social media uh, and just listening and also having this conversation. So you said we did. Um, don't yes, ask for feedback. I love those. So, yeah. Feed, don't ask for feedback for feedback's sake. Try and, yeah. you know, weave it in, like put a slot in your newsletter. If you're doing like a fortnightly newsletter, like maybe every month, just, you know, play back what you've heard. And yeah, I really about it. Yeah. I love that. I love to see both from bigger businesses and smaller businesses with the whole that you said we did, you know, and so it's saying you said you wanted a faster checkout. You now only have to, you know, checkout will yeah. now take you two minutes versus eight, six minutes before. You know, you said you wanted to see more of this type of product. We've introduced these three new brands. You know, um, you said you wanted to see, I don't know, some better value for money. We've now got this other range that is a cheaper price point to start off with for you to start buying into our brand you know whatever it is I love that because it's just like oh actually they do listen and then when people realize that the brand listens they'll engage more because it's like okay you know um yeah, yeah no, absolutely yeah. that's great to- that's really true because I think otherwise you're just you know you're just people get fed up like you yeah. know just you know giving people have got little time so you really have to make it worthwhile for them and I think for me it's about remembering that ultimately it's not about your product or service when you're talking to customers it's about them and how how your product and service fits into everything else that's going on with their lives um, and I think people forget that people are you know um, you know, have have things to do over a day. And whether it's your candle or your one-to-one coaching service, that has to slot in with so many other factors. The more you understand the whole human being, um, the better chance you have of, uh, you know, hitting those pain points on the head or articulating your message that it really hits home. Like, oh, that's for me. You know, when you feel understood by a brand, yeah. Nicole, you feel seen. You feel like, seen, you feel yeah. heard. Um, and I had an example on that I brought up on my uh, Instagram this week around slippers, which is not at all seasonal. (laughs) I know that, uh, Nicole, but it was just about um, how you'd go about pleasing potentially people who haven't got slippers because they have dogs and dogs eat the the slippers and they chew the slippers. Um, And just not, you know, if you were doing some research and you said, oh, you know, do you wear slippers? And the person said, no, you could easily just walk away as in, okay, that's not my target market. If you keep asking why, which is one of my golden rules around questions, okay, why is that? Oh, because um, I've got a dog and they always chew the slippers. Okay, well, why is that then? Because I always leave them out. Oh, why is that? Because my shoe cupboard is lit. And this is me, yeah. The shoe cupboard is like full to the brim that I can't shove any more, anything more in there. Um, and just by asking why, you know, you could have so many ideas for somebody who was in that field like okay you know you could from the simplest thing to having like a a little message when you receive your slipper saying you know we hope you love these um we know your dog will too so just what you know watch out yeah yeah, that that doesn't cost anything you know and it's just saying oh I feel I feel hurt I feel I feel seen and um, and taking that into your content then and using it in your language or your post or your social media yeah so it's just you know that is nothing that's about understanding people's lives what else they've got going on you know lack of storage they have pets um, how can you make your product um, just easy for them, you know, based on their circumstances? So don't forget to ask those bigger questions at the time. I think it's a mind shift. People feel like they have to ask about their product and their service, but it's about, you know, asking everything around um, your product and service as well. And I know we've, we've probably jumped quite a bit into the survey and asking the questions, but is there a part that people should do at the beginning in terms of before they even start thinking about the questions their whole and their you know how should they um is there a part that they should think about at the beginning when they're doing their market research and either a process or or their foundations of what they should do 
Yeah, so I think um, when you're starting a business, do you mean, Nicole? Like if you've got... Yeah, so kind of, yeah, and you've got a new idea, what what are the things that they should do for the market research? Yeah, so the first thing um, I would do is kind of like write down, you know, start with a bit of a brain dump. Um, So let's say you think, oh, you know, I think there's a gap in the market for a new... um, uh, I don't know what, like toothbrush range, for example, but all around the sustainable element and things like that. Uh, and you can think, okay, write down, start with the assumptions because every idea that um, people have is based on a little bit of gut feeling, a little bit of um, knowledge about maybe the people around you and it's based on assumptions. And until they're validated, they are assumptions so they can go wrong. They might be true or they might not be true. Mm-hmm. So for, the, for a sustainable toothbrush, for example, you'd want to start, the list could be, you know, I assume that, uh, you know, environmentally aware um, people are going to buy this toothbrush over like the plastic Colgate one, for example, in uh, Superdrug. Um, you know, I and then you start thinking about your target market. I think it's going to be like, you know, educated um, city, city dwellers, whatever. So you write all that down because that's going to that's what you're basing this whole business concept on ultimately. And then you start um, looking for themes. So you might be looking at, OK, uh, people are environmentally aware. So that's something you want to explore in uh, uh, when you're doing some market research afterwards and start coming up with some themes and you'll probably have like maybe two to three themes um, for maximum. And then you create um, a, a bit of a discussion guide and then you start going to talk to people. Ultimately, do not rely just on your friends and family because mm-hmm. uh, they will say that sounds like, a you know, either that sounds like yeah. a good idea or they're not interested at all. But it's really important to go beyond that, you know, yeah. go beyond to, to your target market, essentially, target market. based on what your assumptions are. Exactly. And then you start asking them about sustainability. You don't ask them, would you buy uh, a you know, sustainable toothbrush? You say, OK, how 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 environmentally conscious are you? And they'll probably say, you know, people like to think they are. Yes. I, you know, I think I am. OK, when was the last time you made a purchase? based on that you know you had two options one was a bit more expensive because it had these credentials did you go for that and you'll see in the real behavior that some people go oh no actually I didn't I haven't actually bought anything because price always trumps it so Mm -hmm. you you start to understand whether the people who say that they are environmentally friendly are actually going to put um you know the money where the mouth is or can't remember which way around it is and actually you you know spend based on those values and then you might find that actually your target group is a bit smaller and it's actually, um, you know, uh, you know, 25 to, to 30 year olds who are ready to actually buy those type of products. So, um, yeah, you get your assumptions, you do your discussion guide and then you just, you know, as um, Steve Blanks, which is a famous uh, kind of startup type guru said, like, then you get out of the building yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you start um, asking. I mean, plenty of businesses just go for it. But it's a risky, um, it's a risky strategy, especially if you then want to get any funding. For example, if you're looking down the funder route, you know they are gonna before they put their money in with you, they're gonna want to know that this is a real, there's a real opportunity here, and not just based on you thinking it's a good idea or you know you and your friends thinking it's a good idea. So yeah, listing all the assumptions, theming them up creating a discussion guide and just getting out there and speaking to as many um, people as possible. And then you start refining, uh, you know, refining your idea based on what you hear back. Um, But it's powerful stuff Um, and it can de-risk things massively. And um, for some people, the idea of actually getting out there and talking to people fills them with fear. You know, they might be quite, you know, you've got introverts and extroverts. And so for an introverted person um, who this is the last thing that they want to do, but they know that they, that they need to do it to help their business become more successful. What, how would you advise them to approach it? 
Yeah, so um, I think actually introverts tend to be better uh, listeners and in- interviewers. Um, I think, yeah, that they're, they're a little bit more nervous going into these conversations or even asking for the conversation. Um, but I think, you know, setting... If you want being prepared, I think, you know, having a discussion guide, having your questions written down, you're not winging it. This is a process and you have your um, something to fall back to if, um, you know, if your mind goes blank or the conversation dries up a little bit. I think being prepared and having those uh, questions written down is really um, important. Even having, you know, um, some post-its on the wall um, to remind you if things dry up a bit, you know, some question stems. So tell me about the last time or how. Um, how did this particular thing make you feel? So you'll kind of feel prepared. I think that yeah. really, um, that really, really, uh, that really, really helps. Um, so it's so a bit of like a, a mini script almost for yes, them to absolutely. keep the ideas going. Yeah, keep the ideas going. And and I think it's really important for whether you're really comfortable with these type of conversations or not. You know, there are some, you're, it's about learning about your customer. It's not about you. So it's really, they should be doing most of the talking. You should yeah. be guiding the conversation and let there be awkward silences. I think people, you know, I think we all can be a bit uh, afraid of uh, awkward silences, but that's when you just let the person think and it could be awkward five, six seconds. And then sometimes that's when the gold comes. Like that's when they, they think they have had time and they answer the question and you think, wow, okay, if I would have jumped in there, I wouldn't have got that nugget of information. So let there be silences, awkward silences, if you want to call them that. Uh, it's, a, it's a conversation. And most people like, you know, literally I've done this many times and I've been helping small businesses doing it as well. You know, 99% of the time, People come out of these conversations like the person you're interviewing. They've loved the conversation because you it's it's been all about them. And, you know, who doesn't yeah. like to talk about themselves, um, Nicole? And so, you know, it's actually quite, you know, I've had therapeutic. It feels like cathartic because you're really taking the time to understand their, you know, their customer view their view of the world and so um it's actually quite amazing how you know sometimes you're like oh god like we've been talking now for 45 minutes like to shut them up basically because they're actually really happy to talk um uh, about themselves so I think there's a big worry but once you've gone past that first barrier and you know if you want to go for someone friendly to start with just to practice do that as well because it could just give those that confidence you know boost the confidence a little bit yeah and you could role play it on someone as well you could just you know for a little bit just to get you in a bit of a flow and I think and on the flip side of that, that if people that are extroverted and really like to chat and butt in, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, for them, I'd literally have, and I do it myself sometimes because I, you know, I can chat quite a bit. I just have my post-it on the wall saying like, you know, shut, shut up, you know, like just to, just a reminder. Um, and I think, and also the script is really important. I think people who are quite confident in one-to-one conversations feel that they can just kind of wing it. And yeah, you, know, the, and yeah, you could no doubt have um, a delightful 40-minute conversation conversation with someone but is that you know we're looking for actionable and insightful we're not just looking for like interesting and um and comfortable that's not how you're going to get um you know progress your business you've just had a chat um and but that's not what we're here for we're here for like finding out stuff so you know don't make it about you embrace the silences and talk less you know don't talk too much um and let them let them speak. Um, and yeah, I've got some tips on that on my, on my social media as well. And it's very similar. I think it's just that confidence. I think for the introverts, it's just getting to the conversation. That's the hardest. Um, and then the extroverts, it's kind of like, um, you know, making them also have a discussion guide and write things down because otherwise they tend to go off in quite a lot of different directions and it's not, and you know, it's a respect for the person's time, like to have, 
something uh, like the questions that you want answered, the discussion guide, the script, because, you know, they're, they're, they're giving you 30, 40 minutes of their time. So out of, you know, decency and respect, just have at least a plan for what that conversation is going to look like. It's not just a chat. And would you ever do them in a group situation or would you recommend to do one-on-ones? I would recommend um, doing one-on-ones for, for small businesses. If you've mm-hmm. never done it before, I think there's a huge value in doing a one-to-ones. That doesn't mean, I think we were talking before earlier on about how you can weave, um, you know, that kind of listening uh, method in your business day to day, like if you run a small group program, why not at the end of that, uh, you know, if you've got some uh, similar people together, ask a few questions at the end. Um, it can be used in combination, but I think that the, the biggest and best insights that you'll get are from kind of one to one conversation, just because, you know, everyone, I think when you're in a group, there's a lot of other dynamics going on. You know, yeah. there's some people that talk louder than others. Um, some people are influenced uh, by other people's decisions. Oh, I think this. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree that. And so and they're, they're then guessing. put upon, the, you know, it, they're all, they're, they've got someone else's idea that they then adopt when it might not really be their and idea. It might really be their idea. So I think yeah. it's good to pick up on themes maybe. Like, you know, I think all, uh, all listening exercises are useful um, and they could like then feed back into like a one-to-one discussion. Like, oh, I my assumption is a lot of people think like this because that's what you've heard on a maybe in a group dynamic and then start unpicking that with people one-to-one and you might find that that assumption was actually wrong and it was just that you know it's just held by a minimum of people but who talk the loudest for example yes and that can happen (laughs) I mean I've been to focus groups where when I've worked for bigger retailers where you're behind a a screen a mirror as such and the rest of the group maybe like 10-15 people are in this focus group and it often is the loudest voice that gets heard when you know or that brings along the the rest of the group who then may change their mind and it's that strong character that comes out when when you don't really get the insight from the other people that are in there because they've they've maybe gone along or felt uncomfortable to challenge you know so I do agree I think it's being I think one-to-one is better first to definitely to start out with yeah no definitely and I think um you know it's I'd say it's not always just for, um, you know, if you've got a new business idea, brand new business, like a side hustle or a new product range, like people, a lot of people are feeling a little bit stuck. I feel like post, um, well, we're not completely post COVID, but it's been a big change for a lot of people. And I, and also a lot of other things going on in people's lives, you know, beyond the business yeah. that they're running. Um, and just checking in with customers, like there doesn't always have to be like a big um, end goal in terms of, you know, new product line, just touching base with customers can really um you know boost motivation as well just hearing back from the people that you're trying to serve that's ultimately what business is like it's an exchange of value yeah um and it can really get your like business brain buzzing again just like by understanding their you know what's changed for them in terms of their purchasing habits or um and it can really kind of give a lot more motivation i feel like a lot of people are currently you know, still coming out of this pandemic pretty tired and, you know, maybe the ideas aren't coming at 100 miles an hour like they used to. Yeah, and I think it's a really good one for businesses that have actually thrived at the pandemic to check back in now with their customers again. So if you have a crafting business or like a subscription box business where a lot of those would have uh, ballooned at the pandemic because people were at home or had more time, so they're crafting, that kind of thing, to check back in again and see how are they feeling? Are they still interested in what they were doing? How often, how much time now do they feel that they'll have to that? You know, just to kind of check Absolutely. in and then yeah. how could they relate that to their business as well? Absolutely, because, you know, there's nothing, um, things change, you know, like, 
things change, behaviours change as behaviours changed in the pandemic and people more at home and they, yeah. they wanted things to do that didn't require going outside. But you're absolutely right. How much of that is going to stick as the world um, opens back up again? And that doesn't mean, oh, my God, like, you know, that's the end of my business. By doing that um, touch touch in with customers you can start to understand yeah what what how could you tweak your your offering yeah. or is it the frequency is it yeah. um, things that you can do outside so you've got a box but it requires more um, interaction with other people or that kind of stuff yeah absolutely like don't take it for granted that because it worked well during pandemic that it's going to continue without you know making those um making you know, some kind of changes yeah. yeah great and thank you very much Katie um if people want to how can people find you and where can they work with you so um, my main uh, channel at the moment uh, is Instagram. I'm at Product Jungle, um, all one word. And I've also got my website, productjungle.co.uk. Um, I have a newsletter, Jungle Juice. So you can sign up for that on the website. And that's all about, you know, helping you understand your customers better, basically aimed at small uh, small businesses um, so it'd be great um, to sign up for that and what I do for small businesses I help them uh, create that discussion guide um, and help them with the questions that's where through my market research I feel where um, the biggest pain point is when you know people want to do market research but they're not sure where to start with the questions um, so I have yeah like a one-to-one offering around yes yeah, scripts and discussion guides but loads of tips on my website and in my newsletter so yeah head over there i hope to see some of you um, over on social media and if you've enjoyed today then i'd love for you to subscribe and leave a review and you can see me on instagram at at the buying retail coach or you can check out my website www.thebuyingretailcoach.com and if you've enjoyed our conversation today every week I do lives on Instagram with other entrepreneurs and experts as well so make sure that you check on those they're usually on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock but thank you very much for listening and we will chat to you again next week Mm -hmm.